Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to another Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Andy Daniel, social media coordinator with MPN, and I'm here with Darla Tyler McSherry, who's the founder of Ask in Earnest. Welcome, Darla. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for letting me have some time with you and your listeners today. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am a native Montana, lived in Montana my entire life. In my professional career, um, I've spent my entire career in health and prevention. I've worked at MSU Billings for over 25 years. And now, because of circumstances that have happened in my life, I'm also very involved with suicide prevention, targeting the farm and ranch population. Great. Can you tell me a little bit more about Ask in Earnest? Sure. So. I used to think that suicide was this terrible, awful, tragic event, and that it happened to other people. And that changed for my family in September 2016 when my dad, Dick Tyler, a a wheat farmer from Big Sandy, took his own life on the family farm. And that uh, changed our lives forever since that day. In the days following his, his death, I was talking on the phone with one of his friends. And his friend said, when your dad was in town walking down the street and he would see you, he would stop and he would ask in earnest how you were doing. And he wasn't doing it to be nosy or gossipy. He just really cared about how you and your family were doing. And those words just just struck me so profoundly at that moment and that they've always stayed with me. And it's one of the most beautiful things that anyone has ever said to me about my dad. And it's true. So I really took that concept of ask in earnest and have worked to develop it into uh, an educational approach to talk about the, the issues of mental health and suicide in our farm and ranch population because it's often very, uh, it's a difficult topic for any population to bring up, but especially more so in that farm and ranch population. Yeah, it seems like there's not quite as much help or awareness mm-hmm. of the the issues with people who are in the ag industry. Yeah, you know, definitely some of the things that make farmers and ranchers successful are things such as being very independent, very driven, very focused, uh, have a, a Uh, take charge kind of attitude and I can't let anything slow me down or stop because the success of my operation depends upon me. So all those things that can make farmers and ranchers successful and sustainable can also be, can also work against them in terms of seeking mental health support, talking about feelings, talking about stresses. It's not in the agricultural curricula, so to speak, and I'm borrowing a quote from Dr. Michael Roseman, an absolutely phenomenal person. He has an interesting career where he's a farmer and he's also a psychologist. And he said it's not in the agricultural curricula for people to really talk about 
uh, feelings or, or talking about behaviors where and it's just so focused on the, the success of the organization. What do you think are some unique risk factors for the egg industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's certainly a lot of them. One is just not really ha- being able to have a balance between work and life outside of work. I'm talking to a group of people who maybe work in more of a traditional office setting, and if I get them, I ask them to think about a really stressful day, just rotten from the start to the finish, and then I ask them to think about at the end of that work shift or the end of that day, what, what would you do? And they may say things like, I went for a walk, or I played with my kids, or I listened to some music, and I say, okay, great. Did you stay on on the work site and do that, or did you physically leave? And they'll have this kind of perplexed look on their face, and you can kind of see the light bulb go off. Whereas farmers and ranchers don't have that physical or that psychological separation from work and life outside of work. It's it really runs all into one and the same. So that's a challenge. Another challenge is isolation. Um, we are hearing that more and more now, especially in the, the COVID pandemic that we're living in. Mental health professionals are, are saying, yes, we're, we're hearing and we're seeing more people talk about the stress of isolation and its impacts on mental health. In the, in the United States, we average 88 people per square mile. In 56 counties in Montana, or of the 56 counties in Montana, most of those are actually really very rural. Ten of our counties have less than one person per square mile. In the county that I grew up in, Shoto County, there's 1.5 people per square mile. So having that isolation really compounds mental health issues. And then another factor for the isolation is the, the kind of the, the culture of farming or the language of farmers and ranchers. And what I mean by that is I'll give an example of uh, when I was in high school, it was harvest time. My dad got hurt out in the field, and he he tolerated it really as long as he could. And then he stopped what he was doing, came into the house where my mom and 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 I were at. He came in with my brother, and he said, "I'm hurt. I need help." And of course, that's reasonable and rational and prudent and absolutely necessary. That he basically got his foot temporarily caught in the auger of the combine. So of course anyone would say, yes, you're hurt, let's get you some help. Fast forward 35 years later when my dad was struggling with these thoughts of, you know, he he obviously thought that the only solution to his problems was to kill himself. He didn't have that language inside of him and we don't make it easy for people, especially for men in our society, to say things like, I'm hurting psychologically, I'm hurting mentally, I need help. So I think those three are kind of some really important, unique risk factors for the farm and ranch population. So you said in this society, we don't allow men a lot of times to express that. But how do you think, do you think there's an issue with men in particular being able to articulate what those feelings are? Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, and they can, and we're, we're all products of our environment, right? So for most people, especially men, we, they probably didn't see 
Their grandpa's talking about emotion or feelings or their dads or their uncles. And so it's it's something that it, might feel unfamiliar for many men. So what we can do to help is, is exactly what we're doing here today and, and the work that your group is doing is to bring out the conversation of mental health and, and really helping people understand that talking about mental health is just as important as talking about our physical health with going to the dentist or going to the doctor and really helping challenge and, and change norms to where we can get to the point where we can say, yeah, and I've been talking to my counselor too, and it's, it's really been helpful. Great. Could you tell us a little bit about the warning signs and maybe how those are different from warning signs that you might see with other populations? Sure. You know, I think an important thing that we need to realize with suicide is that there can be warning signs that are missed. Uh, they estimate anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of people who do take their own life did exhibit some warning signs that unfortunately we missed. And I also want to stress the importance that sometimes there's that 20 to 30 percent range where people truly did not exhibit any signs at all. So I want to be cautious and just not try to place any sort of blame or or guilt upon anyone who's lost a person to suicide. Some warning signs would be kind of three really important ones to, to think about is one, having a loss of hope that might be related to something financial in their lives, maybe the loss of a significant relationship, maybe a significant health issue. So they, they are experiencing this one or more things that has created a, a loss and they really don't see, they don't have hope for anything changing. They may say things like, I, nothing works right anymore. There's, there's no point in going on. I, I, I don't have any hope for anything better for myself in the future, something like that. The second one can be a person might feel for whatever reason that they're a burden. I think this is really key for especially the farm and ranch population where you might have a male who's always been in charge, he's been the boss, he's kept the operation running, some kind of health, uh, maybe a health challenge or a financial challenge or maybe a combination of both has changed it so he is no longer quote in control and they might have the perceived feeling of, of not being important or irrelevant anymore as is truly a strong risk, risk factor. And then the third one is uh, not really seeing a future for themselves. If you talk to a person and, you're, and you realize they're, they might be struggling with some things and you ask them, well, what do you think that things will look like for you six months down the road? If they really can't talk or, or really say or really think that they have a future for themselves, that is a huge warning sign. So I think the three big ones is um, just to, to repeat those, um, having a loss of hope, perceived being per they perceive themselves as being a burden and really don't see a future for themselves. So there's actually a lot of similarities between those people and how most people feel who become suicidal, that loss of hope. Yeah, and I think for farmers and ranchers, too, there's just so much pressure. Most farmers and ranchers, the, the family farm, the family ranch has, has been here for generations, and 
my grandfather worked this farm and my father worked this farm and I'm really struggling to keep it afloat. Ooh, that message that they internalize about not only letting themselves down but also generations past and that the, the legacy and the pressure of continuing the legacy can be especially challenging for the, for the farm and ranch population. If somebody sees any of these warning signs, what can they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And I think that really hits upon an important myth that we have to talk about is it, uh, a pervasive and harmful myth is that talking about suicide causes it. It's often or it can be believed that if I'm worried about someone, I really don't want to say the word suicide because that might give them that idea. And then if they do go on and, and attempt to take their own life or, or if they do take their own life, then it's my fault. And that's never, ever been shown to actually be true. What often can happen is actually more of the opposite effect. If I'm really worried about someone and I have a, a, a very heartfelt, candid conversation with them and if I say, I'm really worried about you, are you thinking of suicide? What can often happen is this person just has such a tremendous sense of relief because finally someone, here's someone that I can talk to who wants to listen, who wants to hear what I'm feeling, who wants to try to understand. So having that, that candid conversation, so I strongly encourage people and it's just so imperative and and I get it because I understand what I'm I'm asking people to do and and I think about the the Darla from 2020 if I could go back and talk to the Darla in 2016 and say you need to talk to dad about this and I think about that and gosh you know sitting down with my dad and asking my dad if, if he's thought if he's thinking about killing himself and just all the emotions that come with that and the intensity so I can appreciate the, what I am saying to people and what I'm asking people and telling them what they need to do, but it's so important. And we also have to be direct. You know, I can, I can appreciate and understand what I'm saying when, because it's, it's an awful, ugly word, but suicide does have to come out of our mouths or we have to be very direct in saying, are you thinking about killing yourself? Because we just have to be, we just need to have that direct, honest, candid conversation with people and I think also what we need to keep in mind is that many of us including myself are not mental health professionals and that's okay we can still help save lives because we can be that important person who hears them who understands or is trying to understand the severity of what's going through their mind and we can be that life-saving bridge to get them connected to help so some of the things that we can do is say things um, you know create that opportunity to have that conversation with that person and really listen to them and hear them and do our best to understand Um, we're listening we're not judging we want to keep the person talking and we can be that helpful bridge and get them connected to help. Several things that we could do is sit with them and call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. We can sit with them and we can text the crisis hotline at 741-741.
we can offer to take them to the emergency room. We can be that bridge. We can help. We can be that person who helps keep them alive. We don't have to be the solution, but we can be the bridge that can help them get connected to solutions to help them stay alive. When you talk about isolation, a lot of people on farms and ranches probably have limited contact, I guess, if they're not going into town very often, um, that kind of thing. But I've heard you talk before about who the people are that can sort of be like the gatekeepers, right? Can you tell me a little bit more about that, about where you think we need to train people or, you know, give people more information to help them help the farmers and ranchers? Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah, gatekeeper, I'll start out with gatekeeper training is very, very useful and, and crucial for, for rural populations such as where, where we are at. And gatekeeper trainings, one example is QPR, which is Question, Persuade, and Refer for Suicide Prevention. Um, the, the tagline is, think of QPR as CPR for suicide. So it's uh, about an hour and a half training, and any person can go through it. You don't have to be have any kind of mental health background. It's developed for the lay person. You can get that training. You can contact your county extension office, and they can help find get a, a training brought to your community. You could contact your local county health department, and they could also help bring a training into your community. And so the training would be really helpful for people such as if you are a volunteer with a local fire or ambulance crew because you're the first on the scene and you are literally a lifeline for that person. It could also be very important, um, very useful for people such as in the, the banking industry for farms and ranches um, because if you are a loan officer or work in a financial institution and you work often with farmers and ranchers, you can see, you can literally see the stress and strain that they might be under. The people who are involved with the, the weed sprays and the chemicals, those can be very, those people can be very helpful resources because uh, the farmers and ranchers work closely with them year-round. They establish a rapport and a trust can be built. And they're, they're often kind of really out there on the front lines when they're seeing the farmers and ranchers struggling with different kind of weed issues or, or insect issues and the, the money that that takes to, to control those issues. So those could be another useful population in, in our help in, in educating and helping prevent suicide. Another important thing is, you know, as part of being the, the out of the farm and ranch population, again, you know, we had talked about it earlier, is the, how people are, are strong and independent. And I am certainly 100% fully supportive of people working very hard to be strong and independent. And I think something that might be helpful in, in helping us shift the language and the culture and making mental health and an easier issue to talk about is really recognizing that we're often at our strongest when we do ask for help. And I know that's a really different idea or a concept for a lot of our farmers and ranchers. And it's okay. We, we are really 
often at our strongest when we ask others for help. That's great. Thanks, Darla, for joining me. Again, Darla is the founder of Ask in Earnest, and you can check the description of the podcast here for a link to her information. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Thanks for listening to another Recovery Talks podcast during Recovery Month 2020. If you'd like to enter for prizes, please go to mtpeernetwork.org slash rm2020 and use the code CAST927AD. Again, that's CAS is in Sam, T927AD is in dog. Have a great day. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.